Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode 148 of the Ask the Coach Show, where Ping Skills helps you improve your table tennis. Now, I couldn't find anything interesting about the number 148, so I hope Alois has something good that happened on this day in history, but I bet he doesn't. Anyway, today we're going to talk about Alois's favourite topic, besides number facts, which is equipment. We'll also discuss the Korean Open, using your forehand in a match, and getting down low. For Technique Tuesday, we'll discuss the backhand topspin against backspin. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, Supercoach Alloys Rosero is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alloys. Thank you, Jeff, and oh my goodness, no, no interesting number facts. That Not is devastating. It's, it's a quite a boring number, really. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, who would have thought? I know, because we've had so many like really interesting ones up till now, so it's a bit of a surprise. <laughs> well, on this day in history, Jeff, yes. in 19, 1958, the highest ever recorded tsunami hit Alaska. There you go. And on the Australian side, um, in 1996, on this day, the Big Mac cost $1.97 in Australia. There you go. Is that not interesting? Uh, you look like you're scrambling a bit there, you know. Maybe <laughs> a bit more preparation next time and, and you can go on backs. Oh, come on. Well, I mean, and if you can tell us how much a Big Mac was in 1990 when, seven, how much is it today? Uh, that's a really good question because I haven't bought a Big Mac for a very, very probably since 1996. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. All right, Alice. Well, let's... Um, Let's, we've been away for a little while. Um, I actually went to Canberra, great city, the capital of Australia, for those who don't know. Um, and it's it's very cold in Canberra, though, minus five Celsius overnight. Um, but we are back now, and the last Ping Skillers question of the day was, what will Mah Maharu Yoshimura be ranked in 12 months' time? Yeah, an interesting question, and I think uh, we had one response um, on the um, Facebook page, and uh, Matt said, uh, can't see him maintaining any rank beyond 20th, but that's nothing to stop at. Oh, you just lost your microphone, Alex. Did something get bumped? Oh. Hello, is it there? Hello? Just Hello? Hello? I think you're back now. Oh, good. Okay. Um, yeah, so... Um, yeah, so did, did you hear what Matt said? No. Okay. So Matt Salt said, just now I've got to find it again. Um, yeah, so that um, he can't see that uh, Maharu will maintain any rank beyond about 20-ish, but that's nothing to scoff at. He's certainly doing well. To be honest, Japan's doing well, and, and that is true. They are really doing well on the um, on the world tours um, scene. Uh, um, certainly. Um, and to, I suppose to back that up, um, at the Korean Open, which just finished on the 5th a couple of days ago, um, Yoshimura couldn't maintain it. He lost to Pargarel first round 4-0. Um, I mean, it, it is always difficult, isn't it? You know, trying to back up after a really breakout um, win. 
um, to, to then maintain that level. And that's, that's the really hard part. And that's what the, the good players or the better players start to do um, more. They can back up week to week. They don't have the, um, the, the supposedly worst losses. Um, and, you know, they can maintain that level. So let's see. Let, let's, let's give them a bit more of a go, um, though. I mean, that was a great, uh, great win by him um, in, in uh, Japan. So let's see how he, how he progresses from here. But, um, yeah, I suppose that moves us on to the Korean Open, Jeff, is, um, to just dis- discuss that. And um, Korea was, uh, was the standouts um, at, uh, at the Korean Open, which is good to see. So Jung Young Sik, a player that we saw at the Australian Open, took the title there in the men's singles, beating the old favourite Juse Hyuk 4-1 in the final. So, um, so we saw his devastating um, backhand and how explosive that was um, at the Australian Open. And, and I, I imagine that he caused uh, Juse Hyuk a few problems with that backhand, backhand topspin as well, winning 4-1. And one of the sets was 11-1, so, uh, yeah, pretty devastating stuff. Yeah, it certainly is. And it's interesting to see you talk about consistency there, Alice, because both uh, Jung, uh, Jung Si-Hook... No, no, I'm getting totally confused. Um, <laughs> I Fukuhara did very well in the women's in the Australian Open, won that, now has won the Korean Open. Um, yes, indeed. And yep. Jung Jung Sik did the same. Yeah, in, indeed. Yeah, winning the Australian Open, Korean Open double. So, um, yeah, so I Fukuhara beat um, our little favourite Mima Ito in the final. Um, and, but it looks like it was a pretty comprehensive result. Again, 4-0, 11-6, 11-7, 12-10, 11-4. Um, we saw Fukuhara in Australia and she, she looked good, didn't she? Her back end was absolutely devastating in Australia. Yeah, so racking up two Pro Tour um, events, you know, in quick succession. And I think, from memory, she hadn't won one for quite a while before that, Jeff. It might, yeah, might have been, yeah, might have been 2013 um, since her previous one. So, you know, the form's definitely increased. And, you know, sometimes just, just getting over the line and just getting that confidence in yourself um, can, can do wonders as well. Yeah, I'm just having a quick look at um, titles. Yeah, so, um, yeah, 2013 Japan Open was the one before that. So, yeah, yeah I Fukuhara, you know, really on a roll. And Mima Ito, just looking at, having a look at her results going into the final, first round 4-0, second round 4-0 against Anyan Jun from um, Korea. Then she beat um, her countryman uh, Sayaka Hirano 4-1, 4-0 in the semi against Choi Hyo Ju um, from uh, Korea as well. So, yeah, had really good form going into the final, but uh, obviously Fukuhara on an absolute roll at the moment. Good to see. Indeed. All right. Now, let's move on to the Ping Silas question of the day, which is... What rules in world sport are consistently overlooked and turned a blind eye to? So, again, get involved in the conversation either on our Facebook page, so facebook.com slash pingskills, or on our website at pingskills.com and click on the blog link. Love to hear yeah, from you. Uh, I'll have to confess that came from uh, Trevor, who uh, I was talking to the other day, and he said, here's an idea for your pingskillers question of the day. So thanks, Trev, for that. 
Yes, thank you, Trevor. Good question. All right, now it is Technique Tuesday, Alloys, and today we're going to take a look at the backhand topspin against backspin. Aha, uh-huh. yes. Um, it's a it, it's a really nice stroke when it when it happens well. The backhand topspin against backspin. It um, one of, one of the really important things is to really make sure you finish um, all the way through, uh, both with your wrist and with your arm as well. Um, often, you know, uh, often we see now in world table tennis the backhand topspin has become so so important um, in the game. So. Players are, are utilising that almost as much as their forehand topspin. Certainly 10 years ago, it was nothing like that. You know, the balance uh, forehand versus backhand was probably, you know, 70-30. Um, but now it's almost 50-50 with the backhand topspin, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, certainly. It's such an important shot. And um, Jung Jung Sik, as you said, tremendous backhand topspin against the backspin. Um, and so, yeah, it's a really important stroke to learn. Now, I'm interested, you, you talk about making sure you follow right through. How do people know that they're actually finishing in the right position? Yeah, so there's a couple of things. I mean, one thing that I like to use um, when I, when someone's learning the backhand topspin off backspin is at the end of their stroke to get them to have a look where their bat's pointing and pick out a spot in the room, so and it might be on the roof or it might be on the side wall of where their bat needs to point at the end of their shot. So at the end, they need to just stop and check that that bat is pointing um, in that uh, at that at that dot um, in the room. So I found that to be really useful uh, when when players are learning that backhand topspin against backspin, especially. So really extend that out, extend it out. Use lots of wrist. You use lots of arm to get that um, to get that motion. All right, great tip there. And um, yeah, so if you've been, you know, trying to get that backhand against the backhand tossing against backspin going, just get out on the table, have practice quite a bit. It is becoming an important stroke, and if you can learn it, it will really help your game. It just means you can't get pinned down on that backhand side. So um, yeah. Get out there, try it, and let us know how it goes for you. All right. Now, Alois, Chi has jumped on and asked a question using the Google Q&A app. Now, anyone can do this when we're live on the show. Um, just need to go to our Google Plus page, and the easiest way to find that is go to pingskills.com, scroll down to our footer at the bottom of the page, and click on the Google Plus button. And Chi says, hi, Alois and Jeff. Last time I asked you all if I can do side spin on the pendulum serve, and I finally worked it out. I'm now trying to get that side spin pendulum serve well so that I can trick my opponents sometimes in my competition next year. Well done, Chi. That's great. It's really nice when um, when you start to be able to do something like that, especially a, 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 such an important skill as, you know, developing your serve and getting that side spin on your pendulum. So, yes, start to think about using it in your game situation for sure. You know, start to introduce it in your practice games. Start to introduce it in your matches where um, you're either playing someone really good or someone that you know you're going to beat. Introduce it gradually into your games and then you can start to use it more and more and then you'll be able to start to use it in pressure situations as well. So, great progress. Well done. Keep it going now, Chi. I love it. 
Yep, well done, Chi. All right, next question is from Mark. And Mark says, I have a carbon blade and I've opted for 1.5mm sponge rubbers to slow the setup down. However, while I have good control of some shots, I think I might be missing control on others. Should I be thinking about increasing the sponge thickness? Um, Mark, the, when you increase the thickness of the sponge, you're actually going to lose some control. So the thicker the sponge, the faster um, the rubber will be. So, yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't think about increasing the thickness. I mean, uh, the best solution is to go for a slower blade. But that's an expensive solution because you've already gone out and bought this carbon blade. But that is probably the best solution. Go for something slower uh, with the wood, and then you can increase the speed with um, with the thickness of the of the rubber and get better feel and 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 the ball sinking into the rubber a little bit more with um, with a thicker sponge as well. So that's probably the best solution. But if not, um, just stick with a one point five mil sponge. Just practice. Just slow things down. Just do it. Uh, do it technically correct, and you'll start to develop that as well. All right. Hopefully that helps you out, Mark. Thanks for the question. All right. Now, next up is a question from Steve, and Steve says, "Hi. My problem is to use the forehand when I play a forehand topspin against backspin or others in training. It's not a problem." But in a match, I only play backhand, and I've got long pimples on my backhand. I'm unable to make a point with my forehand. So what can I do in training, Alice? Ah, uh, yeah. So this again, a really common situation, you know. So you can start to you can use your forehand well in the game in the training situation. Comes to the game, you go back to the safety of your backhand with long pimples. You've got to draw a line in the sand but also a line in your mind as to where you want to play forehands from in the game situation. So you've got to be strong enough to say, okay, when the ball comes over this side, I'm going to play a forehand in this match. And when the ball comes over here, then I'm allowed to play a backhand. If you start to do that again, start to do it in the matches where um, you're playing someone that you know you're going to beat, or just in some practice matches, then you can start to introduce it more in matches that, that matter more, that, you know, the closer matches and in close situations, then it'll start to become a bit more automatic that you use your forehand when the ball is on that side. So so first thing, though, draw a line almost in, in your mind, but almost on the table of where you want to play forehands. If it's on that side, you're going to play a forehand. If it's on this side, you're going to play a backhand. So do that first and practice that in the training situation. Practice it in your practice matches and then start to introduce it in your games as well. Really important part of development of your of your skills. Yeah, I, I like that idea, Alice, because once you mark that line, you've said, I'm going to play a forehand. So then you've given yourself no opportunity to suddenly move over and play the backhand. It's kind of clear in your mind. Because it sounds to me like this is more of a, of a mental issue. Like, if you can practice it well in training, then in competition it's more because you're just not trusting that your training's been enough or that you're still worried you're going to miss, so you go over to the safe backhand. So it sounds more like a mental issue to me. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's, um, I think you said, you know, just having that confidence um, and trusting your forehand. And the more... 
four hands you hit in practice, the more confidence you will get in the stroke. So, but also then in that game situation, once you start to play it and see that it can work in a game, then uh, that will also develop your confidence. So, yeah. Yeah, so uh, let- yeah great question, Steve. Um, so, yeah, really make a decision. I'm going to start playing my four hands. And Alo said, you know, make that line on the table so you've got a mental reference as to where you are going to play your four hands. Get out there, give that a try, and let us know if it helps you out. All right, next up, question from Marv. And Marv says, I see that the professionals crouch down very low when preparing to receive a serve, but they always move before the ball is actually served and receive the serve in a much taller stance. Why do they get so low when they never receive from there? Yeah, interesting one, Marv. Um, and good observation too. So um, if you watch the better players, they will be in a really nice low position to start off with. But it almost looks like they're moving before the, the other person hits the ball. They do because they're picking up the cues of what the other person's doing with their serve. So if they see me doing this, okay, or this, they will start to pick up where that ball is going to move to and what type of serve I'm doing. And that's why they set themselves into motion really early. It's really pertinent, especially um, the players that use the um, banana flick or the backhand side spin flick, because they, they, set, they set themselves up in their ready position over here. The ball comes short to the backhand or to their forehand and they're moving all the way over there. So to cover that distance, they do need to move pretty early. But they do because they see it early. They're seeing where that ball's coming um, really early by getting some cues of what's happening uh, with the other person's serve. So so that's what they're doing well. They're um, they're recognising those cues really well and that's enabling them to move into position um, quickly. And early as well. Yeah, excellent, Marv. It's great to see you watching um, the professionals' games. It's a great way to learn, and it's good to see you picking up on little details like that too. So, yeah, keep on watching that and keep on experimenting with things you see the professionals do and trying to bring them into your own game. Good work. All right, now, Allies, we've got a few people still on the show live using the Google Q&A app. First up, dear Donay has said, hi, my favourite Olympians. I have a little trouble with somewhat high balls on my backhand. Do you think it's okay to push them rather than to top spin them? And do professional players do that? Um, at, at the professional level, no, never. So if the ball's up high on your backhand and you push it, then basically you're just saying to the other person, here we go, come and smack it at me. So do donate. You, if the ball's up that high, you need to do something attacking with it. But don't think that you've got to smash it away for a winner. Um, use your backhand top spin, or if the ball's up that high, you've got plenty of time to step around and utilise your forehand as well. So if you're more confident on the forehand, get around there and use your forehand in that situation. Um, so, yeah, if the ball's up high, pushing it is just not the answer. The ball will go back too high and too easy and your opponent's just going to go crack. So try to try to play an attacking stroke off a deal, don't All right. Good, solid advice there, Alois. Um, and uh, Chi has just said, um, 
I just found out that Alois was an Olympic coach and Jeff is an Olympian. Never knew that until now. And he says, good luck for next year's games. Well, thanks, Chiba. I don't think we're going to be in next year's games. Been a long time since um, I was at the Olympics. Um, yeah, <laughs> way too long. 2000 I was in there, Chi. Um, but thanks for the kind words anyway. And dear Donna has just jumped on with another question, Alois, and said, hi again. I noticed players like Zhang Zikur bend their knees as they return a fastball with a quick close-to-the-table counter-attack. Is bending the knees a necessary part of the technique? Absolutely. So legs, knees are so important in your game. Um, take a look at our lesson on the basic stance um, and and learn from that the where you need to be with your legs. You need to be nice and low. You need to be crouched really low to make your strokes happen. So really important that, you, that you're bending your knees and getting down nice and low in all your strokes. So, yep, yeah, um, take a look at that lesson. That'll help. Yeah, and um, that's a, a good um, segue into this little um, tip for people wanting to improve. Go to pingskills.com and sign up for our free newsletter. We just sent one out on the weekend and we highlighted that basic stance video, Alois, because it is such an important part of the skill. So, yeah, make sure you sign up at pingskills.com for our free newsletter. We'll mail out tips every week that will help you with your game. So, pingskills.com. And thanks for the question, dear Donna. All right, Alois, that uh, wraps up episode 148, the No Interesting Number Fact Show. Um, but, you know, plenty of interesting stuff about Big Macs, so that's great. Um, exactly. Thank you for <laughs> And thank you, Alloys. Thanks, Jeff. And uh, we'll see you in, I think we've got a couple of days off again, Thursday night. So um, see you on Thursday night, two, two days from now. Indeed. Thanks, everyone. See ya. Bye.